0: This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast,
2: W.I.L.K. News Radio.
3: Here in Northeast Pennsylvania, this beautiful Monday, August 21st, 2023. This is the Bob Cordaro Show, and I am he. It is a big day to fight for America, defend our values, and honor the brave who have made us and kept us free. People like Robert Burke of Dunmore, James Breeling of Hanover Township, Dorothy Newswell of Plymouth, Carl Wint of Wyoming, Dr. Richard Dykeman of Clark Summit, and Vincent Gulati, formerly of Scranton, all veterans who we lost in early July. Uh, so many good texts I want to get to. I want to mention... Dunmore Lumber and uh, their big uh, tent sale Thursday, Friday, Saturday at six twenty-two South Blakely Street, Dunmore. Uh, you could beat the big box blues. Now they're gonna they're gonna have specialty items, including a Mi- Milwaukee Tool representative there over the weekend. It's something you got to get to just to see. My sister-in-law, Joy, make hot dogs, if for no other reason. So, uh, the Club for Common Sense has reconvened after that brief news break. And if you're—well, I didn't remember, so I don't know how you could. Two weeks ago, I tasked our guy— John Perillo, with um, telling us about the Chinese economy, finding out where things stand, and by coincidence, in my uh, Saturday Wall Street Journal, provided by uh, my Uncle Jim Savico of Arkman Corporation fame, China's, there's a headline, China's property sector worries spread. They're having um, a huge problem in their real estate. It's a phony economy. It's this command economy with free market aspects, which have been severely restricted more and more by Xi Jinping and the sick sadists who run Red China. And so the property sector, there's great fear it's going to bleed into other asset classes, other investments, other investment companies. And there are signs that it's happening. So our conversation today with John Perillo is all the more relevant, and here he is. John, Welcome
4: well it's good to be back how are you bob i'm
3: doing great i'm doing great back with the people
4: (laughs) all right (laughs) awesome i i I, I, you shouldn't make me follow up with uh, the wall street journal but i'll uh, i'll do the best i can here (laughs) i know
3: you you will or i would not have asked
2: (laughs) you give a a naval
3: academy guy an assignment and you might as well consider (laughs) it done that's why i forgot what the (laughs) hell i asked you to do
4: (laughs) oh that that was so bad but the um you know for, for your listeners you know bob brings up a, a very important global point um i think you know the lessons for us here in the u.s uh, about china it's not about just about china it's about how do we avoid making some of the same mistakes and what are the implications for what's going on in china for us in the united states and no matter what you hear from some of our politicians here in the u.s because there have been some comments to the contrary China's economy is in very big trouble right now. And their economy is showing weaknesses everywhere you look. And given how close the society is, the actual situation is probably worse than we know. And right up front, I'll tell you where I have data and where I'm drawing some conclusions. You know, I'll tell you that, those things as well. But there are some things we just don't know. But what we do know is pretty troubling. So Bob brought up one big point, which is real estate. I'm going I'm to get to that, but I want to start with something a little bit different. Uh, one of the big stories in China... Uh, that's been driving their economy is that they only recently loosened their, their COVID protocols. That was in December, well after the rest of the world got back to normal. And if you remember, uh, uh, Xi bet his entire regime on this zero COVID policy. Basically, if you had COVID in any way, shape, or form, you were locked down, and everybody you knew was locked down. And, and I mean, and it was, I, I it was to- a
3: lockdown. Like, people have to understand, when we were locked down... As horrible as the policy and stupid as the policy was, we weren't physically locked in our doors.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let's, let's let's take that. What what they did to people who violated the lockdown policy was they would weld them W E L D just in case you're having trouble <laughs> hearing me into their apartments so they could not get out. That's the, when we describe a lockdown. That's what I'm describing. That and bears repeating. Part of that yeah. is that. Yeah, the, the, the G—they G, bet their—it's essentially a totalitarian response, right? So in the U.S., we say, "Hey, don't do this," or you know, we advise you not to do this. You know, G essentially bet that the the lockdown was a was a test of his, of his ability to control, and so they continued that lockdown. So, any, so that showed, you know, the their their consumer-driven side of their economy is showing some real real weakness in part because of that, right? So if you're locked down in your homes or people are locked in their homes and holiday travel, you know, cars, homes, all those things start to drop. And the rebound in consumption after China shed its COVID protocols late last year, you know, there was a little bit of growth after that, but confidence was weak that people were going to continue in those jobs, right? If you, once you, you know, shame me, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, people started to get very concerned about spending money in China. And so they didn't do that. Uh, So as that, what happened was that drove the economy down and the Chinese responded the way most economies respond when they are in trouble like that, they start printing money. The theory being that if I print money, money becomes less expensive and people spend it right now. We did that in the U S the China's Chinese did it on steroids. They printed something like, Seven times the entire amount of yuan in circulation. They just keep printing it. Oh my God. And that should lead to inflation, right? And when inflation happens, people spend money because the alternative is your money's worth less tomorrow, so I better spend it now. Only that's not what happened. What happened in China was the opposite of that. It became to be it became deflation. So while other central banks in the world are raising interest rates in response to inflation, right? So the U.S. is Our central bank has been raising interest rates, the theory being that what that does is it slows the economy, and then people stop spending a little bit, then that drives interest rates down, and it reduces inflation, right? So China prints all this money, and instead of getting a rise in in their consumer prices, they have their GDP deflator, the measure of their broad price of goods and services, fell by 1.4% in the second quarter compared with a year earlier. So essentially, their prices declined by 1.4%. And that's the largest decline they've ever experienced since 2009. And I have to remind myself that it's 2023, right? Because I, I came 2009 seems like yesterday to me. But that's, that's how bad this has been. Now, for those of us in the US, we think sometimes the falling prices sound like a good thing, especially if we're getting hammered by inflation. But in reality, it's actually very bad for an economy. And that's because. Um, China is what's called a catch-up economy, meaning that you know, they're trying to catch up with the rest of the world. And in catch-up economies, productivity tends to grow very, very quickly. And, and think of it this way. You know, the manufacturing processes here in the U.S. are very efficient you know, because we've had decades of, of driving efficiency. And now what we try to do is improve our efficiency at the margins, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. And if we get a 1% increase in, in efficiency, that's a big thing to us in the U.S., But when that happens, it allows manufacturers to pass along wage increases and hopefully, you know, some price stability to their customers, and that drives growth. Well, in China, productivity was growing very, very quickly because uh, industries like manufacturing, that trade goods across the borders, were very, very inefficient to begin with. So the starting point was low, and they start gaining this productivity. The output per worker rises quickly. And companies can afford to pay their workers more without raising their rates, and those rates are pinned by global competition, if you will. And so if you're a worker in China, that's good news. Your wages are going up. And then in, in, in areas like services, which are not traded across border borders, productivity grows a little slowly, but service firms still have to compete with uh, the uh, other countries' manufacturers for workers – so let's say your hotel workers' wages aren't rising as quickly as your manufacturing wages are rising. Eventually, that still hotel worker still has to get more money. Otherwise, he leaves and goes to manufacturing. Right? So, this is a virtuous cycle. And bit by bit, wages go up, productivity increases, people have more money, they spend more, wages go up. You can think of it in that kind of uh, that cycle. Right? But China has the opposite problem. They have deflation. And again, like I said, that sounds good to us, but in reality, it's actually worse than inflation. So think of it this way. If home prices are dropping, and they're dropping like crazy in China, Bob alluded to that earlier, then nobody buys because they know that the price is going to be lower tomorrow than it is today. Well, that means that nobody moves, and that hurts productivity. And if you compound that across all goods, things like cars or durable stuff like a washing machine or a microwave then nobody's buying, which drives down wages. Which means nobody buys. Which means that drives down wages. Which means nobody buys. You know, you get this. This is that's very very dangerous for economies, and that's where China is now. And just how bad is it? So this is the economists estimated. Well, John Perillo, let's that take a let's economy. take
3: a break. We've got to take a break. Yep. I want to come back with that thought. <laughs> number one, how bad is it? And number two, what are the implications? Of all of this, John Perillo, Monday Musings. We'll take the break on the Bob Cadaro Show. Come back and continue the discussion after this. And uh, before that, I I wasn't hearing it in my earphones, but the Bulldog assures me that you were hearing it on the air. 1992, Ruby Ridge, Idaho. The 11-day siege began at the cabin of white separatist Randy Weaver. Now, he was white... And he wanted to live separately. Did they make a conclusion he was a white separatist without understanding the meaning of that term? Probably. In any event, they tried to arrest Weaver for failing to appear on court charges of selling two illegal sawed-off shotguns. The first day of the siege, Weaver's teenage son Samuel and Deputy U.S. Marshal William Dagan are killed. Ruby Ridge, Idaho. That forever conflict between freedom and government, we should always err on the side of freedom. Not on the side of criminals' freedom, which is what we're currently doing, but on the side of being left alone by government. Always. That's what the Constitution dictates. Now... Back to Monday Musings with John Perillo. Tell us how bad the Chinese economy is, at least as far as you can detect.
4: Okay, first of all, is Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd.
3: Thank you. I don't know why I <laughs> blanked. I had his face in my mind and couldn't picture the name. Yeah,
4: I know, I know. I, just, I love the Blues Brothers. Okay, so how bad is it? Right. So uh, right now, the economists are saying that Chinese China's economy will be about sixty-seven percent the size of the U.S. at the end of this year. What does that mean? Well, it was 76% in, two, in 2021. So China is losing ground relative to the U.S. That's kind of number one. Number two, their stock market's in big trouble. Uh, about 20 million people trade on Chinese markets, and most of them are moving their money to savings accounts because the current rate of return in the Chinese uh, stock market is negative. So mm. I'll take 1% positive over a negative rate of return. Um, Bob mentioned the real estate issue. Uh, Right now, home prices from the top 100 developers in China are down 33.1% year over year in July. Developers are are getting ready to be in default in China. Now, I I assume that the government will step in and try to help them out. But 33% drops in in home prices in China is a disaster. Um, And the other reason why we know that the Chinese are struggling with their Economy and with their, especially with real estate is that they are now buying property in the u.s You've probably heard a little bit about that, but Chinese buyers represent about 13% Now of farm buyer home purchases in the u.s. Up from about 6% last year and Most of these purchases are not what we would consider to be investment properties. I mean they are buying homes and the theory being when somebody buys a home that they're doing that as an alternative to where they're at. So I think that's when when rich people buy outside of the country, that tells you what they think of their own country and what's happening there. So yeah, and I, think and, that's, that's I kind mean of in, in one. this
3: case too. I know we we just, we confuse a lot of Chinese buying of our real estate purchases of our real estate as nefarious. They're just looking for some place to put their money.
4: Some of it's nefarious, right? When you when you buy oh, near no a, a yeah. missile site, yeah. that's that's you know, You don't all of, of a sudden just, decide exactly. to be near a,
3: yeah, near I'm near a US missile site. You're right.
4: But right. but as but but Bob says, when you're buying if you're buying a single family home, you're buying that for a reason, right? And um the and the other thing to think about is that you know, net foreign direct investment is at its lowest point in twenty five years. That means foreigners aren't investing in China. The youth unemployment rate in China is now Publicly, 21.3 percent unemployed. In the U.S., it's about 7.5 percent, which is horrible. But 21.3 in China. So large numbers of unemployed young people, especially young men, are always a concern in an authoritarian country. Right? We've got that problem. So, you know, um, I, I could go on with this uh, on and on. I mean, I think I think the bottom line is that China is in is in big trouble. Economically, And the lessons for us in the U.S. are you know, we think a lot about command economies and, and people as, you know, as, as diverse as, as Obama and Trump both said, boy, if I had if I were like China, I could make these decisions. Well, we don't have that in the U.S. And the way capitalism works (laughs) And That's why we avoid nightmares. (laughs) Whenever the government gets involved, (laughs) that's when we have them. (laughs) But that's that's something I don't know that we teach anymore. So let's let's think about this in a simple terms. If I have $20 and I'm an individual, I might decide to go out and buy some yingling, right? I could decide to buy dinner with my family. I could decide to stick it in the bank and save it for the future. There's lots of decisions that I could make- In a non-command-driven economy. And the way that benefits is that if everybody is doing the same thing, if everybody takes their $20 and spends it on what they think is important, then what happens is you have this virtuous cycle where people are seeking how to make that $20 the most productive thing possible. Right. So the manufacturers are yingling they are trying to make sure their prices stay stable and that their beer is good and co- available cold. Right. The guy who, who runs the restaurant is trying to make sure that his restaurant is worth that twenty dollars and you have a positive experience there. The person who has a uh, who has a store and wants you to buy whatever it is he wants you to buy is working hard to make that happen. That's capitalism at its best. And you as a consumer are spending your money that you worked very hard to earn. You're spending it very carefully. And what that does is it drives a certain efficiency because you're trying very hard not to waste your money. And if everybody's doing the same thing, you wind up with, this, with everybody competing in a, in a virtuous way for that $20, and that $20 has more and more value, and the value that it has increases, and you spend it wisely. When command economies take over and the government says, no, you're going to buy a battery with that, And what incentive is there for the restaurant owner or the Yingling manufacturer, or the battery manufacturer, for that if, for that matter, to do a good job, yeah. there isn't any, right? Because the government tells you where to spend your money, and so what happens is that the, bit by bit you have the opposite of that happening, the unwinding of that virtuous cycle of hey, I'm and looking this for my decline,
3: best the, the the thing that I've been telling people for tw- twenty five years about China was that this decline was inevitable and accelerated. Yes by Xi Jinping and his, I mean, he's a dictator, and, and his policies and his belief in the primacy of government and the Communist Party, it was inevitable.
4: <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely correct. And, and, I, and again, the opening to this was we have to think about these lessons for ourselves, right? There is no one person. Xi Jinping is a very, very bright man. I, gar- I, I, I grant you that. But there is nobody so bright that they can look over an economy and say, "I can manage it." There is no, and and there is no way that that person is as bright as, th- you know, 30 million Americans taking their twenty dollars, twenty dollars, and spending it as they see fit. Yep. Because the collective wisdom of those people is far greater, far greater than any individual can be, and that's capitalism, right? That's what makes well, our country great, and that's what makes our Economy great. It's that constant pursuit of the best value for your money that drives efficiency. Which government and government officials
3: are continually trying to take away from us. John, we got to go because we're way over time, but thank you uh, for that snapshot of the Chinese economy. And it does not bode well for international relations. (laughs) <laughs> and the flashpoint that is Taiwan, but uh, we'll save oh, that no. for another day. We'll save that for another day. John Absolutely. Perillo, thank
4: you again to you and your listeners. Now, well, I'm when I when we you did Ruby
3: when we did Ruby Ridge, I was thinking of the old George Carlin line in reference to you. John Perillo is living <laughs> in an isolated cabin. He is armed, <laughs> but he's not malicious, so no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well said.
4: Well said. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm malicious. I might, my work might argue with you, but. <laughs> All right.
3: John Perillo, thank you very much from Colorado. We love it.
4: And thank you to you and your listeners. Have a great day.
3: All right. Have a great
4: week.
1: We'll take this break. We'll be back with the
3: weather.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: Bob Cadarro back with you here on The Club for Common Sense. We've got to watch that Chinese economy. Because what we implied but did not state at the conclusion of that uh, discussion on Monday Musings with John uh, Perillo was that something we talked about two weeks ago, which is that uh, autocratic and dictatorial governments, when they fail internally, and they inevitably do, They lash out militarily and diplomatically. We've been seeing the Chinese, the Red Chinese, do this now. I mean, they know how bad their economy is. This this is the astonishing thing. It always, and again, this is what godlessness does. Instead of saying, hmm... Maybe we've got the wrong policies here. The Bidens of the world, the Xi Jinping's of the world, and yes, I'm putting them in the same category. Yes, I am. I guess the only difference is I think I could trust what Xi Jinping says more than what Joe Biden says. But going back to the point, They lash out, but if they they said, okay, there's going to be an eternal judgment, there is a God that is the direction to goodness, they wouldn't be punishing their people and censoring their people and continuing on policies which f- which have failed forever in human history. That's what the current Democrat Party is doing here in the United States. And you say to yourself, what in God's name is going on here? But that that search for power, to hold power, to control other human beings is eternal. And our founding fathers understood it because they were godly people. I don't care what your strain of religion is. Very proudly Roman Catholic. But God is the ultimate direction. Not Xi Jinping. Not Joe Biden. Not the Democrat Party. Not the deep state. Not the left-wing lunatics. Or they would not be pursuing policies that fail, and then trying to force them on you and lie about their results. So China is becoming more and more of a threat as they weaken economically. Please remember that. Uh, Our friend Carol Chermack checking in. Thank you. Wishing best wishes for my father. And her son... Our county commissioner, Chris Chermack is going to be the man of the year for the Columbus Association. I got something on that over the weekend or last week. So thank you, Carol, or my old friend. Soup Can says, Bob, good luck to your dad. I think Dr. Van Coke was on the sound of music, was in the sound of music. (laughs) Lear Van Coke, I'm telling you. Was he born to be a heart surgeon? Obviously. Somebody in Bob, I don't know if you've been following Vivek Ramaswamy. I have. I have followed Vivek Ramaswamy to the point where I remember his name. Nearly all of the time. And somebody said, yeah, they say he's extremely impressive. Uh, thanks, and LTS. I'm with you. Joe from Trips Park, he says, it's heartbreaking looking around in church And seeing almost no younger families. When did we decide we don't need God in our lives anymore? (laughs) That decision was made by people who want to control your lives and your thoughts. And God was getting in their way. That's who made the decision. And they run the Democrat Party. And they run the media. And they run so many of our non-governmental organizations, foundations, charities... Unions, government bureaucracies, and they are, oh, our academia, our education, and they are dangerous. Their sick, twisted ideology is dangerous. Uh, speaking of Andrew in New Jersey, New Jersey has just made it, a court has up, has stopped, temporarily blocked, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an extraordinary measure has temporarily blocked a couple of New Jersey school districts who decided that parents would decide and have to be made aware if their children reported or related as transgender. Now, they children, by the way. Their parents are not to be told. That's New Jersey state policy with sick Phil Murphy in charge and the and the other left-wing lunatic Democrats. So the parents can't be told that their kid is identifying as a sex other than their birth. The school will deal with the issue, not the parents. Can you believe this insanity? Can you believe it? Believe it, because if you vote Democrat, that's what you're voting for. Doesn't matter if you're, you're uh local state representative or whatever mouths that they think that's crazy. They're voting for it here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. All that lunacy. Boys playing with girls in their sports. They're voting for it. Because they're in a sick, twisted political party, and they either don't have the guts to stand up to the Democrat Party... By the way, reminded, uh, I'll mention, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Mrs. Casey, who passed away. Late Governor Robert Casey's wife. But Bob Casey Sr. is the last one that stood up to the Democrat Party and their their growing sickness back in 1992. What would he think today? He'd be apoplectic. All right, we'll take a break. Bob Canaro, W-I-L-K. We'll be, we'll be back. And we want to thank Dunmore Lumber, our hourly sponsor. Big ten sale. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But any day of the week, you can beat the big box blues at Dunmore Lumber. Uh, we'll talk more about it and maybe even have Brother Ron call in to tell us what this sale's all about. But we're paying tribute today to a group of veterans. Vincent Galati Jr., known as Hecky. Herky, I'm sorry. Originally from Scranton. Dr. Richard Dykman, Originally from Blakely, but the good doctor passed away late of Clark's Summit. Carl Wint of Wyoming. Dorothy Musual of Plymouth. James Breeling of Hanover Hanover Township to be specific and Robert Burke of Dunmore veterans we lost in early July that we pay tribute to today so i don't know if i get it all in but a long text on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy because we've we've run through our Jason Aldean stage which we love him still but i mean you know you go on for so long. We're not a top uh, hit station, but occasionally a song catches our attention, and we like to play it. That was, uh, and and the reason I mention it at this juncture is that on August twenty first, nineteen seventy one, Creedence Clearwater Revival. They moved from number fifteen to number six with their ninth top ten hit, "Sweet Hitchhiker," but they had that kind of protest. I ain't no senator's son. You know, it's the same sentiment. I want to. I want to text in. Here's what Mel text in, because then I want to go to Mother Teresa before we end the hour. And Donald's on the phone. Uh he said, "Bob Oliver Anthony is mad because the Matrix, the system, the worldwide establishment is making slaves out of people, people who can just be thrown away as far as these people are concerned." And by the way, they've made such callous statements. And you look at Biden. Uh, Timmy Mack points out that you know when when George Bush flew over New Orleans and Louisiana during the flooding, he was a dog. He was a, this guy went on two vacations since the Maui. Disaster. Now he's finally getting there, like just like his granddaughter. He ignored her for four years until political pressure, and somebody said, "Hey, goofball, you got to go to Maui. It's a nightmare." Anyway, I and mean, he gets away with it with this sickening media we have. Uh, in any event, uh, they continue. People can just be thrown away as far as people are concerned. It's a deep mystery. Look at the evil world uh, economic forum talking about killing 3 billion people. And yes, they casually talk about we're 3 billion over. And then Kamala Harris with her supposed mistake about reducing population. All right, Mel. That's why we're going to play them. Mother Teresa, quickly. We'll get to her before Donald because she does take priority for August 21st. She says, Mother, how can you remain so joyful, surrounded by all this suffering and aware that so many are indifferent? The question always makes me smile. Jesus is the source of my joy, not anything in this world. I didn't see this until this moment, but exactly what I'm talking about. I go to prayer every day so he can fill me with his joy. When I'm weary and discouraged, I go and sit with Jesus. He invited us to do that. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden light. Solace is found in God, not in man, or the things that men make, or the things that men and women can buy. So, perfect. Again, as usual, Mother Teresa, and thank you, Mary Regina. Donald from Pittston on a transgender update, he says. How was it? Yeah,
0: uh, that's my vacuum over Psalm, he's right. We talked about this two weeks ago. Now, I just Googled it. 7.2 are LGBTQ out of that .06 are transgender. They're overriding a, a veto, for example, like you said, uh, Glenn Youngkin's. The majority is supposed to rule, not the minority. They want, like, a, a teacher down in Fairfax County uh, to make a decision on a five-year-old kid, whether he's, uh, what gender he could do. Man. So they're fighting it now in, in Fairfax County. It was on Fox News and all over. This is sick. There's late bloomers. I was a late bloomer. When I was 12 years old, I was 90 pounds. i the size of big George Foreman. My my brother, he's the biggest haystack hellhole. He was only like 15 pounds, my yeah. older brother, more than me. You know what I'm saying? My Very kid is, important point. My kid's two seventeen, six four. We went to see that movie, George Foreman. I said, you're the same size when he flew in uh, from out of state. I said, I was laughing during the movie. I said, you're the same size as uh, when George Foreman knocked out Joe Frazier. But he was just a little <laughs> blonde-haired kid. They could have done that to just about anybody. It's just crazy. There's kids that you know mature later in life than others. What do you think? I, you,
3: you hit the nail on the head. These are not teachers' decisions, these are not bureaucrats' decisions, these are parents' decisions on how to guide their own child, and the
0: child can't make this decision! But they're putting people in these school boards, they're electing these radicals, or maybe lesbian or whatever, and they're imposing those views on the normal heterosexual couples. And that's that's that's, that's, wrong. But I'll assure
3: you of this, Don, and it gives me some satisfaction. The vast majority... Of gay people uh, are not for this insanity. Their leadership, no, however, they're not. You're right. which is twisted and sick, Want they think this is some kind of club that you could join at any age. It's a major, serious decision, and they're ignoring that reality and thinking they know better than parents. It's it's.
0: All it's going to do in 10 years, you know what's going to happen. It's going to bankrupt the school districts with lawsuits, and it's going to skyrocket health care with malpractice lawsuits. It's going to only make things 100 times worse. That's how I look at it. Well, there there will always
3: be a practical downside to lunacy. There
0: there always will. But you see, this is uh, the point I'm trying to make. You can't go against the majority. The majority rules. That's how the Supreme Court does. That's how our elections work. They're taking, they want to make the minority rule over the majority. They want to make up their own laws. And you just can't do that in in a, in a democracy. I'm with you,
3: Donald. Thank you. Uh, we're
0: agreeing uh, more and more each
3: day, my friend. I I'll keep you updated.
0: No, it's just the rule of law. Yep. Is the majority rules over minority, just like in the Senate and Congress. Since when does the minority tell the majority what to do when nobody wants it? It makes no sense. Amen. We'll be back after the news.
2: W-Y-L-K News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast